Welcome to the PCOS Girls Podcast. I'm Bridget Warren, founder of PCOS to Wellness and creator of Sisterhood and Mamahood Teas. And I'm Melissa Christie, founder of PCOS Pathways and creator of the PCOS Journal. And guys, we are not doctors. We are just two women with PCOS who love reading about it, talking about it, writing about it, basically just oversharing about it. (laughs) So we recommend you find a health practitioner you love to support you on your journey. In the meantime, this podcast is all about how we have gone from hormonal messes to motherhood, the simple changes we've made to improve our PCOS and the ups and the downs of living with this complex condition. Let's get into it. Hi, and welcome to episode 14 of the PCOS Girls podcast. This is Mel, and I'm here with the lovely Bridget. Hey. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited about this episode because this week I got to interview Dr. Gretchen Kubaki from PCOS Wellness. And she is a psychologist who specializes in PCOS, which is just, I mean, how cool is that? Like, So, so cool. Also, <laughs> how, how cool is her name that I like somehow accidentally <laughs> stole of her, but had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, so it was really awkward. hard for me to not say from PCOS too well. I know. <laughs> I know. And she's been around for so much longer than me. So like, it's clear that she is the beginner she's the founder of that name but I just you know oh it's fine I think the two holds a lot of weight thank you Mel it makes me feel really good no but she's amazing and your your chat with her was so so cool would have been a great one to have yeah it was really really great she's just so I mean PCOS is what she specializes in for, in terms of the mental health sides of, side of things. Plus she has PCOS. So mm. she's just so on our level and understanding what we're going through. And, you know, this is her real passion. And I think that's pretty exciting. And she's done some amazing things in the community to really help bring awareness to this side of PCOS because it is a side of PCOS that is often not talked about. Oh, totally. And because it's not a physical thing or it doesn't, yeah. you know, it just, yeah, it does get forgotten a lot. And I think that, um, mm. I yeah, I just think what she's doing is so amazing and how cool that, you know, not only is she specializing in the PCOS area, but she has it so she can really understand it from her own journey and her own experience with it as well. Yeah, exactly. And you know what, like, I don't know about you, but the main, I had to think about what the main question was that people ask me Mm. about mental health um, and PCOS. And the main question is, are they related? Like, is there a link Mm. between, you know, I have anxiety. Is there a link between anxiety and PCOS? Like we, you know, um, it's something that's talked about so little that we don't even realize a lot of the time that it's even linked. So yeah, in this episode, we kind of break down those basics of what mental health issues are linked with PCOS, but and then we look at some some ways to help. Yeah, if you're in that situation. So, so yeah, cool. and she gave some really pretty, great just everyday tips and you know yeah. tricks that you can bring into your life to to help manage and I guess overcome issues, which I think is so great and stuff stuff that we don't yeah. talk about enough. So very cool. Yeah. Absolutely. But anyway, what's been going on? Well. Oh, boring week for me, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I've had, we kind of actually talked about this a little bit before, but then I just forgot. But yes, we've had super boring weeks, guys. <laughs> just nothing's Which going on. Which is really so funny because we... like, I just think I'm, I, I've got so much going on. And then when someone asks yeah. you like, how was your week? I'm like, Oh, I don't know. You know same. <laughs> same old. Uh, so 
yeah, so we thought actually today instead of, you know, talking about our boring weeks, we would um, do a little recommendation for you guys and share what we've been into lately. So do you want to go first? Yeah, so mine's a bit of a nerd one, but I, I'm really loving it. So I sort of set myself out over, um, over like when we were in lockdown, I was like, I'm going to read so many books and this is going to be great. Turns yeah. out when you have a baby, that's really hard to do. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and then when you actually get a chance to chill, like the last thing you want to do is pick up a book. But I did get through a couple. And one of them that I have really enjoyed reading mm-hmm. was the Jacinda Ardern biography that was written by Michelle Duff. Mm. And uh, for those of you who don't know who she is, she is uh, the New Zealand Prime Minister. And mm. she's she's actually the second um, woman Prime Minister of New Zealand, but she's very, very cool. And her approach to leadership and how she does what she does is just so refreshing and so different to, I think, a lot of leaders out there and just how she's been able to get to where she is without having to be someone else, which I think we're hearing a lot of, um, I mean, uh, I know Julia Gillard even came out this week and just said Mm -hmm. she had to sort of be a different person to what she wanted to be a lot of the time because she'd get judged or if she had a facial expression, she would get judged by, you know, Mm. all these different things. Whereas Jacinda has been able to really come out and sort of be herself and be able to be a feminine leader and they she talk they talk a bit about this in the book but how it's only now becoming acceptable and it's still a little bit taboo but to be a leader and show a a, be a leader be a female leader and show this feminine more softer side to leadership which is really interesting and I I think if you I think it's one of those things that as women we should read and learn and understand more about and I really love her. I just think what she's doing is amazing and I just, yeah, she's one of my idols actually. I really love her. Yeah, she's so inspiring and, I mean, if you're not in Australia, like uh, Australia loves her. Yeah, we want her to be our (laughs) (laughs) But because, like you say, like she just leads in, in such a, different way like she's just, just really compassionate and yeah. empathetic and understanding and yeah. you know she she listens and she not only does she listen but she then goes and acts on it because she knows that these are big pressing issues and she doesn't let people steer her in a different direction because that's what they want and that's what I love yeah. about her is she just sort of stands her ground and explains why it's a good thing to do or why she's had to and it, it's really cool because they she talk well it's not her it's written by obviously Michelle talks about how she's had to really overcome things and do it sort of do it I mean you know she was um she became a mother while she was prime minister which was huge and then she had to do like how was she going to navigate breastfeeding and was she going to do that pop like just all these crazy things that you don't even think of that she's had to go through and having her partner be a stay-at-home dad and like just I just love it I think it's a really really cool read and I highly recommend it it sounds really good plus I love a good biography yeah autobiography I know I kind of got out of them for a while and now I'm like you know what you just learn so much from especially if it's an inspiring one and yeah yeah it's very cool anyway what's yours um mine is something that I've watched because I have not been reading I haven't well I do read Koji to sleep and (laughs) a lot of the time I'll read him a novel like a full adult novel (laughs) really yeah he doesn't know like he's just I mean obviously he understands words very well but you know he's going to sleep and he just tunes out to the drone of my voice as I read (laughs) you know like I don't know the sympathizer (laughs) like (laughs) like some anyway whatever um no I (laughs) 
God. I don't need to get into like my book and how it's about like communism in Vietnam. So um, I watched a, it's like a three episode documentary series called Growing Amy. And it's Amy Schumer. She's She's so funny. She is funny. But this show made me like fall in love with her. And now I think she's so funny. Like, really? Yeah. I mean, I always thought she was funny and, and that, but now I just really love her. So it's about, okay, I don't know if you've seen her Netflix special. I think it's, oh God, what's it called? Um, I think I have seen it. Growing. Okay, Gro- I was okay, going to say wait. it's called Growing Pains, but I think it's called Grow. Yeah, I think it's called Growing. Yeah. And actually, I think the documentary series is called Birthing Amy. Okay, I don't think it's called Growing. Right. I think it's called Birthing Amy. Sorry, this is not a good plug. Anyway, <laughs> so the Netflix special is like in the documentary series, it's the lead up. So it's her making that Netflix special, but at the same time being pregnant. So it's the the journey of her pregnancy plus the journey of her creating this one-hour comedy set. Mm-hmm. And it's just so beautiful and moving and like real. It's so real because in her pregnancy she has hyperemesis. Oh, which, yeah. That's yeah, where you're incredibly sick and you're sick. often for the whole time and so she's just so sick and she's working so hard like she keeps doing shows she does she does something like 64 shows in 42 days or something how do you even do that like without being sick and she's throwing up on the subway like in the backs of cars she's traveling all around the country like and it's because she loves what she does and it's um it's really inspiring to watch, but just mostly it's just so, so real. And I, I yeah, I totally binged it. I couldn't stop watching it. <laughs> and also because you're pregnant. So you're like, I can relate, pregnant. I can relate. Yes, 100%, 100%. Well, in my first pregnancy, I had hyperemesis. And did you? It, I did, what? but I didn't know. Because oh, okay, right. the main, the sort of, one of the defining symptoms of hyperemesis is weight loss. Yeah. And I thought I was just getting so big and... Then when I went in for my 12-week scan and I actually had a set of scales because I was in India, so I didn't have Mm. scales. And when I actually got on the scales, I'd lost heaps of weight. It was just that I was bloated and I just felt so gross. Anyway, so I had a hyperemesis that whole time and I probably should have been in the hospital, but I didn't know that. And so, um, yeah, I was really, really sick. So oh. just watching her go through that, I was just like, oh, my God, for oh. her to go through that for 40 weeks. And then keep weeks working. And keep, like, no. Maybe I it just, was a nice distraction for her, which I honestly, I yeah. just think, like, having the exhaustion of pregnancy yeah. alone is hard, but having all of that as well is, like, wow, heavy. Yeah. I'll have to watch yeah. that. Oh, I totally recommend what did you, it. Where it was, was awesome. it on Netflix? Oh, uh, actually, it was on Binge. I don't know if you know Binge. Oh, I don't have Binge. It's like don't Netflix. Need to get Binge. Maybe. But <laughs> it might be on something else as well. <laughs> I thought it was weird that it wasn't on Netflix. Like, yeah, it was she's about probably got the some Netflix deal special. with um, yeah. Binge. Anyway, yeah. I've seen a few uh, good things on there, so maybe I don't need to Yeah, get it, it is good. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I got Binge just purely because in my first trimester, like this first trimester, I just was so sick and tired and I just got this urge to watch Entourage. That is so weird. <laughs> and I just great. watched the entirety of Entourage <laughs> in like a week. You are so weird. <laughs> <laughs> I know. 
<laughs> I've never watched Entourage. I don't watch a lot oh, of TV. I really – so when yep. people, like, say they've watched things, I'm like, I've got to watch that. And then I'm like, I don't have time to watch yeah. TV. Sadly. <laughs> Although when I was pregnant, I binge-watched Call a Midwife, which was so oh. weird. No, that's that's related. Yeah, I know, but it was like it was traumatic. I was like, why oh. am I watching this? <laughs> oh. Well, Entourage is like total escapism. They're yeah. just like they have this hedonistic like LA Hollywood lifestyle and you just kind of like, I don't know, you watch it and you're like, yeah, I kind of wish I was there but kind of sounds exhausting. <laughs> Oh, dear. I love it. Well, great, great recommendations by us. Maybe we should do yes. this more often when we've got Maybe boring we weeks. Should. Yeah, let us know, actually, guys, if you like it. We can keep doing it. <laughs> anyway, I hope you enjoy this interview. <laughs> hey, guys, it's Mel here, and I'm feeling so excited and honoured, really, to be introducing today's guest. Today, I am talking with Dr. Gretchen Kubaki from PCOS Wellness. And this woman is kind of like an absolute powerhouse, in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Gretchen is a psychologist (laughs) from LA who specializes in PCOS, which is just amazing. She's the author of the incredibly helpful and well-received book, The PCOS Mood Cure. And she actually has PCOS herself. So she knows, you know, just what we're going through. And I think that that's so extra special when talking about the mental health side of PCOS. So Gretchen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to be here too. Oh, good. (laughs) So Bridget and I really wanted to do this episode because, I mean, as you would know, the mental health side of PCOS is so, so significant and important. And yet I think many women with PCOS are never even told that there's a link. And I think that that's because... You know, I think maybe a lot of health professionals don't even realize that there's a link. So I would tend to agree with that. Yeah. And I think it's only now that we have such easy access to a lot of information on the internet that people are starting to do symptom checks and stumble upon information that suggests that there's also mental health symptoms. And so that's that's a great gift of of our contemporary access. Oh, absolutely. You know, when we decided to do this episode, I just felt like there was no one better to have on the show because, you know, I discovered you online myself and I just, I think it's amazing because you have, you have a real focus on PCOS. And I think that our community is just so lucky to have a psychologist in it who specializes in PCOS um, because the mental health side of things, I think is largely left unattended and not discussed. And I feel like your work is really contributing to changing that. So yeah, thanks again for coming on the show. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, Um, we're definitely trying to change things so that people have a deeper understanding of what's going on and why it's going on and what they can do about it. Yeah, I I love that. I think it's so important. Um, So first, I want to ask you a bit of a random question that we like to ask our guests. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think the women in our community are so interested in food and we want to both kind of dispel the myth that we all eat perfectly all the time. And we also want to, you know, inspire people with yummy food and, you know, Bridget and I are just kind of obsessed with food. So Gretchen, we want to know what did you have for dinner last night? (laughs) (laughs) I love good food too. So actually I did well yesterday on this one. Um, (laughs) 
I got some wild salmon from Whole Foods oh. with the skin still on oh, and great. seared it in a hot pan so that the skin got crispy oh, and then God. just flipped it over for a minute. So basically I had like seared sushi salmon. Yeah. Oh my God, um, that sounds amazing. And I had some yellow pickled radishes from the Japanese store oh. and a donut peach and a baked potato loaded up with uh, grass-fed butter and plain Greek yogurt. Oh and <laughs> then I had a couple of homemade almond flour chocolate chip cookies. Okay, that all sounds like the most perfect meal ever. <laughs> Right? Very I'm balanced. So Pass the test on that one. <laughs> no, I and don't think there's a wrong answer. You could have said pizza and I put in. I, that's kind of typical of how I eat. Um, oh but yeah, it sounded really pizza. good. But what what is a donut peach? Donut peaches are actually they're peaches that are kind of flat. They're maybe an inch thick, oh. and there is a pit in the middle, so it's kind of like you smashed a regular peach into this <laughs> one inch thick donut. Well, wow, I've never seen that. I don't think we have them here. No? Okay. No, have have they, they been they around a long here. time? <laughs> um, I don't feel like I knew about them until a few years ago, but okay. they are cute and they're usually pretty tasty. I don't think they're as mass produced as other peaches. So mm, they sound yeah. fantastic. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, it's stone so, fruit season. I'm all about stone fruit. Oh yeah, well we're missing that over here. We're in winter, but you know, I'm oh, embracing right, the apple. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, but that is not made you jealous for the moment. No, I can look forward to it. Okay, okay. Um, Okay, so I was hoping that, you know, you've got PCOS, so I was hoping you could um, share a bit about your journey and how it's led to you doing the work that you do and writing the PCOS Mood Cure and, you know, creating these online resources. So I was diagnosed in my early 20s and basically they threw a pack of birth control pills at me and said, you know, come back if you ever want to get pregnant. And that was Mm -hmm. the end of that. No one told me about all of the potential for other side effects, how incredibly difficult it would be to lose weight, how things like type 2 diabetes and heart disease and hair loss and excess hair growth and all that stuff fit into the big picture and certainly Mm -hmm. not anything about the psychological side of it. So Mm -hmm. fast forward to about seven, eight, 10 years, and all of a sudden I have my first really major cyst. And Mm -hmm. over here, the protocol is or was, if you've got a cyst of a certain size, there's a 1% chance that it might be cancerous. They want to take it out. And that started me on what was basically an annual journey of surgery. Uh, So I had about a dozen DNCs because of endometrial hyperplasia. And along with that, sometimes separate from, sometimes at the same time as, I had five or six cystectomies because of cysts that were getting larger or looked strange or whatever. So in that, I was obviously having a lot of feelings, you know, I was wasting mm-hmm. a lot of time, money and energy and pain having surgeries and doctor's appointments and all of that. And I realized that there was a big emotional component to this PCOS thing, yeah. but I didn't tie together the severity of it or, or why exactly it was happening. I just thought it was my personal experience that this is miserable. And so I'm miserable doing it. And, and were you a psychologist at that point? No, I went back mm. to school to become a psychologist in my mid thirties. Oh, um, and so at that time I started, I always had an interest in health issues and I started mm. doing internships and training in health psychology and decided I would present myself to the world professionally as a specialist in infertility after I had started working on infertility issues and run Mm -hmm. into that really intense 
feelings storm of depression, anxiety, anticipation, fear, worry, you know, all of it that everyone goes through when they're going through anything associated with, um, with reproductive assistance and all of that stuff. And I realized these doctors are really great at doing things like testing your hormone levels and coming up with a plan for pregnancy. They are terrible, even when they're good, at addressing the emotional side of things. And so mm-hmm. there's actually a lot of women end up having, whether it's from infertility treatment or from other chronic medical conditions, kind of a, a medical PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, where there's this anticipation and anxiety going into the doctor. There's fear. With fertility issues, there's the issue of miscarriages and so much grief that is not tended to in that. So I had become a uh, a layperson grief counselor, Mm -hmm. and I sort of started forming this idea that what we needed was some grief therapy for infertility, and then that we had all this other stuff with anxiety and depression. And then I met a dietitian who had expertise in eating disorders and PCOS, and it really all clicked. And I realized we have this enormous number of eating disorders and the anxiety and the depression also. And started doing research from there. And that was when I kind of morphed into a bigger focus. So not specifically infertility, but specifically the PCOS. Mm, Wow. I feel like so many people could relate to that, how you're talking about the connection with grief and PTSD and that fertility journey that so many of us go on. I mean, I relate to it in a way, maybe not the PTSD, but the grief side of it so, so much. Um, like when I had a miscarriage years ago, yes, I was grieving the baby, but there were lots of levels of grief that were Mm -hmm. just to do with my own health and my PCOS and the idea that of future loss that I may never experience motherhood or I may continue to experience miscarriage and how linked that was to my health. Yeah. So the, it's, it's fairly complicated and miscarriage is one of those things that, does not get discussed very much, or at least it hasn't until the recent past. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of a lot of insensitive commentary from people about, mm-hmm. oh, it was God's will, you know, there yeah. must have been a defect, or it happens to everyone, you can try mm-hmm. again, you already have two kids, what's the big deal, right? I, yes. I've, I've heard every sort of insensitive yes. comment. Mm-hmm. And it kind of uh, forces the grief inside, and sometimes there's a lot of shame also. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's maybe I lost this baby because I went out to eat sushi before I knew I was pregnant, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, of stuff that comes up around that. And it is, it's the loss of health. It's the loss of that possible child. It's the loss of the idea of being able to create a family easily or, or naturally. Mm. Losing health and losing time, losing certain experiences as part of life or perhaps as part of a couple. And sometimes mm. other things, you know, it can actually result in some financial insecurity depending upon how much money you spend on the fertility journey. And it's a great deal of time. I remember going to the reproductive endocrinologist on a Christmas morning at 7 a.m. one time. And, you know, that is something that we we don't really talk about. What is that doing to your overall quality of life? And how is that contributing to depression or anxiety or just not wanting to engage? Yeah, because it's time and energy too, you know, like the amount of energy we put into this journey 
can be really taxing. And like, I mean, we talk about making health a priority, you know, quite a bit, but there's a, there's a dark side to that as well when it, it consumes your life. But I just think your journey is so interesting. And um, what I love about it is it's another fantastic example of how, you know, women within the community who have PCOS have, you know, been the ones to to form the resources that our community needs. Like when you look at, you know, the amazing products that have been created for us or the amazing books that have been written or online resources and you look at the stories of the creators of those things, they've mm-hmm. usually got PCOS and they've mm-hmm. usually found a lack of support and had to create it for themselves and then share it with the community. And I think that's such a beautiful thing but also such a reflection of the lack of support in the, the wider medical community and the lack of funding as well. It's, yeah, it's a tricky one, but I just think it's so incredible how our community kind of bands together and creates these resources we, for We ourselves. do seem to have a lot of very intelligent women and a lot of creativity and yeah. perseverance and drive. So it really is people who have pushed through, found something that works for them or done the research and, you know, started putting pieces together to figure out, well, if X, then Y, maybe, right? And so that's, that's what I did is I I took research and I thought, okay, if this is working specifically Mm -hmm. for this one aspect of PCOS, Mm -hmm. maybe it'll work for this other aspect and we can start to shape some sort of a treatment approach for it. Mm. I love that. And a lifestyle approach, really, because this is not a once and done sort of thing, unfortunately. I I often get that question and that's just not the case. No, it's sort of an ongoing thing. Look, I want to kind of get back to basics because when I had to think about what are the main questions around mental health that I get asked um, by women in my community, I realized that the main question really is, whether there is a link between mental health and PCOS, you know, like women being like, oh, I've been suffering, you know, from maybe anxiety for years. And I I just clicked that, oh, maybe that's a PCOS symptom. So I'm hoping you might be able to talk about the kinds of mental health issues that are connected with PCOS. And also, you know, do we know why there's a connection? You know, is it a chicken and the egg scenario? Like, why do we think that there is such a high prevalence of mental health issues in the PCOS community. That's a lot of questions. I'm going oh, to just sorry. dive. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I'm going to dive right in. And if I miss a piece, just ask me a follow-up okay. question, please. <laughs> Thanks. So the first thing is that we don't have good data on PCOS mm-hmm. patients because in the United States, for example, we get one ten thousandth of one percent of the National Institute of Health's funding for research, despite the fact that Whoa. we are almost twenty one percent of women. Wow. So somewhere around ten percent of the population. That is a shocking and stat. It's it is, which is why I love to throw it out there. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard hitting. Uh, it is. And so other another shocking statistic to lead with is that women mm-hmm. with PCOS have a seven to eight times higher rate of suicide. And oh my gosh, I did not know so, that. Yeah. So underlying that is all of the usual mental health disorders, but particularly what we notice for women with PCOS is anxiety, depression, chronic depression that's that used to be known as dysthymia. 
Uh, so it's mm-hmm. kind of a chronic low-level depression. Sometimes I see both of those together. So a major depression overlaid on a minor depression. Mm-hmm. Eating disorders, especially binge eating disorder, but not yeah. excluding bulimia or anorexia. Mm-hmm. And we also have somewhat higher rates of bipolar disorder, what people may know as uh-huh. manic depressive disorder. All of those things, that's basically the big big top tier topics, you know, anxiety and depression are the two Mm -hmm. things that pretty much every therapist deals with. Mm -hmm. And so the reason for that is not entirely clearly understood. I boil it down to when you are out of balance hormonally, everything is out of balance. The more Mm -hmm. complicated underlying part that I think, and there's some research to support this, is a lot of mental health is related to our gut, the microbiome. So about 85, 90% of your serotonin, which is the feel-good neurotransmitter brain chemical, is produced in your gut. And what Mm. we're seeing now is that there's a lot of gut dysfunction in women with PCOS and in people who have mental health disorders in general. So that is a fallout from decades of unhealthy diets, what we call the SAD, the standard American diet, which is heavy on carbohydrates, refined sugars and starches, that sort of thing. A lot of white stuff, not enough green stuff, basically. And also things like having had an antibiotic overuse. My clients who Mm. are in their 20s to say late 30s, early 40s, were a generation that was raised with getting antibiotics for any time they got the sniffles practically. They may have had dozens of courses of antibiotics. And we don't have a good way of measuring the direct impact of that on the gut and then on the brain. But all of that is kind of underlying stuff. There's some ideas too about some environmental toxins that I believe, but are probably not well enough documented to be able to call them good reportable science at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people have very wrongly attributed the depression that women with PCOS have to, well, you're fat, hairy, balding, and can't get pregnant. Of course, you're depressed. Mm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that has been sort of the accepted, like that's the party line for a long time. So there is some of that chicken and egg thing going on, but it really is that there is an underlining hormonal misalignment and that leads to a disarray in terms of the neurotransmitters also. It's the fallout effect of it. So I would say that the PCOS is the originating condition, but at the same time, you can have depression from just what we call situational circumstances. Mm -hmm. So for example, right now I'm working with a uh, functional medicine doctor who's integrative and holistic. Mm -hmm. And she said she's never written more prescriptions for antidepressants than she has in the last four months that we've been dealing with COVID-19. Right. Why? Well, people are stuck at home. They're fighting with their spouses. They're trying Mm -hmm. to homeschool their children. They may have lost their jobs. They may have elderly parents who are vulnerable and the stress Mm. level is through the roof. And so depression and anxiety kind of hold hands. When you've got one, you've always got some of the other. So that's what we would call a situational thing. When you mix up the PCOS with the situational, we are seeing much more elevated rates of depression and anxiety. 
also seeing a lot of not just joking about the COVID-19, but a lot of binge eating, comfort eating, Mm. and trying to self-soothe with all the bad carbohydrates. Everybody's been learning how to make sourdough bread and they're (laughs) eating all of it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, that does actually work. It's calming for the brain, but it also leads to weight gain. So that's just... It's, it's kind of like this endless loop of stress, stress, stress. How do things get broken? And is it causing anxiety or depression? I would say right now it's normal to have a lot of anxiety at the moment because there is a great deal to be anxious about. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I have to sort it out as a psychologist as to you know what else was going on before all this happened and so on and so forth. So always looking at it from, from kind of that complex perspective of the, the social setting, and the 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 inner life of the body in front mm. of me, and um, how all of that works psychologically too. I think that's so interesting, and especially the gut health stuff. It's just so exciting seeing that there's more and more research going into that. But also how you just acknowledged that um, just that hormonal imbalance um, can be affecting mental health, and I've sort of found that on my own journey with anxiety is it seems to be affected by the different phases of my cycle. And Mm -hmm. it's, Mm -hmm. it's bizarre to watch. Like, I mean, I'm not trying to go into a personal therapy session here, but I'm thinking maybe some other women can relate. Like I notice after I've got my period and then before I ovulate, which, you know, when my PCOS is bad can be a long period of time, my anxiety just spirals and gets worse and worse and worse. And then when I finally ovulate, it's like a release and I kind of go back to being myself again in that period between, you know, ovulating and getting my period. Mm -hmm. And I've always, I mean, I've fully noticed that, but I'm like, is that just me or is that a thing? It's a thing. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's not necessarily a thing for all PCOS patients, however. You know, I would have to screen further and you can certainly look this up because it's probably of interest to your listeners as well. But Mm. there is actually a diagnosis now in the last, I don't know, maybe three years that's been officially recognized for something called PMDD. Mm, I've heard of this. Premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And basically what we would have you do, like if you were a client of mine, is I'd have you chart for a couple, three months about your mood symptoms and the timing of your cycles. And then we would look at it and we'd probably see, based on what you've described, a pretty predictable pattern of rising irritability, lethargy, Mm -hmm. depression, maybe more sensitivity to pain, those sorts of things. And the treatment for it typically is to go two weeks on, two weeks off with an antidepressant. Wow. I'm not sure I'm in love with that option. And I think there's probably (laughs) better things you can do in terms of dietary approaches, meditation, exercise, possibly supplementation, that sort of thing. But Mm -hmm. it's it's a legitimate diagnosis and there is a treatment for it. Yeah, wow. I have to definitely have more of a look (laughs) into that. Um, yeah, it's so, it's something where like a lot of a lot of people kind of self-diagnose by the time they get to me. And yeah. so what's great again about the internet is while you can get a lot of garbage information, you can also get a lot of good information. This episode is brought to you by the PCOS Journal. The PCOS Journal is a health diary I've created for women with PCOS that is all about getting you informed so that you're better equipped to make decisions about your health. But this is not your normal blank diary. 
The PCOS journal is filled with tons of easy to read info about PCOS, the triggers, and most importantly, the treatments. There are tips about specific supplements and detailed info about the different treatment pathways from Ayurveda to functional medicine to yoga. It's also filled with detailed charts for you to track everything, your cycle, your symptoms, your habits, meals, exercise, and so, so much more. It's all customizable and it's all specific to PCOS. You can get the journal from my website, pcospathways.com, or if you've got any questions, get in touch. You can definitely, you know, get an inkling about something and then go and speak to someone about that. And exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Bridget yeah. and I are such big believers in find, in having a great healthcare professional or slash team of professionals to Absolutely. help us on our journeys. And mm-hmm. I do see a psychologist and I absolutely consider her you know, one of the health professionals that helps me with my PCOS. Like we talk about Mm -hmm. my hormones and all Mm -hmm. the time. (laughs) But I also love being able to support myself on my journey as well and find little ways to, you know, improve my symptoms here or there. And that's actually one of my favourite parts of your book is the section on food and how it can link and and affect your mental health. And I think a lot of people could find that surprising and not have thought that there could be that link. But I'd love it if you could share some insights about food and mental health and, you know, some of the fantastic tips that I know you've got to share. (laughs) So as we started out talking about, I definitely consider myself a bit of a foodie. I like to cook. I like to bake. (laughs) I like to eat out at restaurants when that's possible. Yeah. (laughs) Food. So food is part of all of our lives. It's very, very rare that I meet someone who basically eats to live. Most of us will say something like, I live to eat. What's (laughs) what's for the next meal, right? (laughs) And food is about joy and celebration and family and community and camaraderie and creativity and so many other things. So it really is important. And where it comes in and affects mood, clearly something like being able to socialize with people is a contributor to good health. It's a critical component to be connected to other human beings. And that Mm -hmm. often happens over food. Now, where it gets interesting around the idea of mood management and food is that at this point in history, we have got an astonishing number of people who are showing up with food sensitivities and even true food allergies. A lot mm. of people will say allergies, but that's only if you actually get to anaphylaxis, like where you can't breathe. Yeah. Um, but a ton of people have got food sensitivities and we see more people in the PCOS community who seem to have allergies, asthma, and food sensitivities, which all go along with Mm, one another. And also with IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, which is Mm -hmm. often linked to you eat this food and it alters movement (laughs) (laughs) in an unpleasant way. Yes, yes. And so what's interesting is, you know, if your system is working very well, and we talk about poop in my office all the time, by the way, because I'm a health psychologist and it's really an important indicator of health. Yeah. More importantly, it's an indicator quite often of dis-ease or imbalance. And mm-hmm. so if you think about your body and your digestion being disrupted by these sensitivities or even true allergies, your body's always reacting, 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 and trying to clear this out of the system or rebalance itself, which naturally affects the digestive processes, the nutrients that we get out of our food. 
We're also typically underexposed to sunlight, which is how we manufacture our vitamin D. So pretty much everyone is testing low on vitamin D, mm. which help regulates mood hormones and sleep hormones. Yeah. And it is also actually a hormone. So a little mm. bit of daily sun exposure is critically important as well. So what I've noticed, there's a real tendency in the PCOS community to say either you have to get rid of all of the gluten and all of the dairy to be mm. okay, and or you've got to do keto. And I'm opposed to all of these things on principle because they are (laughs) gateways to an eating disorder for the most part. Mm. I do not dismiss that this has been something that has been helpful for some people sometimes. And for the majority of us, it leads to more restriction, more failure, more beating up yourself about how poorly you did or how this is never going to work, right? Sometimes Mm -hmm. for a short period of time, some sort of structured sensitivity elimination diet, like getting rid of the wheat, soy, corn, dairy, et cetera. Mm -hmm. For three weeks, you reintroduce, you see how you feel. You may discover that, darn it, that corn is really a problem for you. And that is great and useful. And then maybe you want to restrict that. But we need to probably work from the angle of how do we introduce more plant foods? And again, not going full scale, vegan or even vegetarian, Mm -hmm. but how do we get more balanced around plant foods, healthy, clean proteins, and eating less of the junky stuff? Because the more nutrients you're getting into your body from fresh foods or frozen foods, sometimes even some canned ones, you know, the more likely you are to have the materials you need to regulate your brain and your body. And specifically, the amino acids that we need to create our neurotransmitters are found in animal protein sources. There are a few sources of uh, non-animal protein where you can get these things, but if you're not getting enough protein, you're going to have trouble producing those neurotransmitters, and then you are going to have mental health issues. That's a really, really simplified uh, version. <laughs> really of that. interesting. It's really interesting. There's mm-hmm. starting to be quite a bit more study on it because a lot of us and a lot of people with, um, like patients with PCOS tend to be magnesium deficient across the board, for example. Mm-hmm. And magnesium and zinc deficiency are two really big factors in having psychological distress. And mm-hmm. so if I would say that there was a blanket supplement to apply, it's get some magnesium, get some mm-hmm. zinc, You might also look at things like a little bit of melatonin strategically because it can boost immunity and it's a hormonal regulator as well as a sleep regulator and vitamin D3 for for helping with that whole cyclical thing with sleep because we tend to have a lot of sleep issues as well, including a lot of sleep apnea, which is very, very common in people as they age, maybe 50% of people over 50. Mm. And unfortunately, much more common in women with PCOS. So all of this, and the thing is with the sleep also, if you're getting inadequate sleep or poor quality sleep, you're not getting the body healing that should be happening during your deeper cycles of sleep. You're not getting the brain healing that should be happening. It can contribute to irritability. If you've got depression or anxiety, it makes it worse. If you don't have it, it can cause it. Wow, it's so powerful, isn't it? Yeah, I'm always talking about sleep. (laughs) Yeah, we talk about it a bit as well, just because just in my own journey, I've seen how powerful it can be 
in in my physical symptoms, but also with my anxiety. It's it's very helpful for me to have a much structured sleeping routine, much mm-hmm. more structured sleeping routine and an earlier mm-hmm. bedtime. <laughs> yeah. And right now there's, uh, for most of us, there's an opportunity right now in not leaving, having to get dressed up and go commute to an office. A mm. whole bunch of us can actually get a proper amount of sleep right now. Yeah. So true. So um, I, I, just I say try to... it and see how it feels. Yeah. True. Um, I just want to go back to what you were saying about the protein and the the neurotransmitters. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a sort of immediate effect or is that more, you know, eating protein over time is helpful or like, is there a food you can eat sort of in the moment? You know, if you're really struggling, say with anxiety or having a really low day, is there, are there foods sure. that you can eat that can sort of help in the moment? in yes. a more immediate way? So the proteins are going to be most useful over time. Right. They're also very useful though in the moment because a lot of the mood symptoms may actually be symptoms of hypoglycemia. So mm-hmm. the irritability, frantic quality, all of a sudden kind of have dropping out and feeling a little bit spacey. A lot of us have got pre-diabetes and mm-hmm. so hypoglycemia or low blood sugar may be part of that. Yeah. A lot of times also um, th- there will be a cutting back on protein or probably more likely is having an imbalance. So not a good enough ratio of protein to carbohydrates. So you might end up feeling very bad after you eat a giant plate of pasta and wash it down with a soda, for example, mm-hmm. whereas you will feel much better eating a meal like I ate yesterday. I actually had plenty of carbohydrates in my yeah. meal, but they were almond flour, a little bit of chocolate, some mm-hmm. fruit, some radishes, and a small potato. Yep. And balanced so those, by right. protein so balance and fat. And, and kind of layering in the carbohydrates go first and fastest. They can drop you down and give you that irritability that's very common in PCOS. Mm-hmm. Then the proteins, then the fat. So you always want to try and layer those things in to a meal so that you are able to be sustained by your food. Mm-hmm. If you are feeling bad in the moment, the quickest fix is usually something that contains a nutrient-rich carbohydrate. So mm. for example, soothing for irritability is going to be something like why we always crave when we're irritable or depressed. You know, nobody craves a chicken breast. What they want is pasta. They want bread. They want cookies. They want potato yeah. chips or crisps. I think you guys call them. Um, chips. Yeah. Chips. You just call them chips. chips. You do call them chips. Okay. Okay, good. Uh, I'm sure everyone will figure out what I'm talking about. But Yeah, eating something like a couple of pieces of dark chocolate, which has a lot of magnesium and Mm -hmm. minerals, it's emotionally satisfying. It is also a tiny bit of sugar, so there's a Mm -hmm. soothing hit from that, and the magnesium is calming. Sometimes it is something, there actually was a book a long time ago called Potatoes, Not Prozac. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and so orienting around eating something like a sweet potato or a potato or a piece of fruit. I always like to Mm. balance with something else. So a piece of fruit and string cheese or a handful of dried fruit and nuts. Um, You know, I don't know, licking a spoonful of peanut butter off of a spoon (laughs) is a good one too. (laughs) I'm I'm caught on that potato. I feel like just when you said it, I was like, that just seems like something really grounding about eating a potato. I can imagine Mm -hmm. that helping Mm -hmm. in the moment. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So it's the idea would be to look not for a quick carbohydrate solution mm-hmm. to that. Sometimes you're just hungry and you've got to learn how to attune to mm-hmm. your body's cues and see what makes you feel good long term. So you might gobble down something quickly and it sort of fixes it for the moment. But then are you starving in half an hour? Are you starving Mm -hmm. in an hour? Are you more irritable later? So it takes a little bit of experimentation, but the big solution is try to always have balance of protein and carbohydrates with some fat in your meals and in your snacks. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Okay. To just sort of finish it off, I was thinking that it would be cool to just have a chat about self-care and lifestyle because... I mean, this is the other thing I get asked about a lot, mostly in terms of anxiety, just because I write about self-care and lifestyle so much. But it's just been really important on my journey with anxiety as well, um, making some lifestyle changes and having some regular self-care practices. Do you find that you talk about self-care and lifestyle a lot in your practice and with your clients? Like, Is it something that is a really big part of the mental health side of PCOS? And if so, I'd love to hear some tips. Yes, I talk about self-care a lot. So there's many approaches to to mental health care. And part of what I do is talk therapy. Mm -hmm. Part of it is also um, behavioral health issues and management and also the idea of self-care. So I see a lot of people in Los Angeles who have very imbalanced lifestyles, who are booked seven nights a week on top of working full-time, you know, and throwing in very long commutes and that sort of thing. So stress levels are very high. And people have a really hard time doing something as simple as starting a brief meditation practice. And by brief, I mean three to five minutes. Yeah. Um, So we will start with what sounds, and and a lot of people are very interested, say, for example, in meditation, they've heard about it or they tried it once and it was good and Mm -hmm. they just never got around to figuring it out. Yeah. So I'll try to drop them into an experience in the moment of doing a meditation. And then I will tell them to download an app and, you know, sort through and find the short ones and get up five minutes earlier or make a point of carving out five minutes of your lunch hour or something like that and doing the meditation. So we start building on habits like that. Also with the sleep, one of my most common prescriptions is can you sleep an extra 15 minutes a night this week Mm. and tell me what happens next week when I see you? Oh, wow. So I I like to start with what I call the low-hanging fruit, the easy stuff. It's like, (laughs) Eh, meditation. That sounds great. Sleep yep. sounds really good. Yeah. And just an extra 15 minutes. That's so, that feels so doable. Right. So I'm, I'm never taking someone who goes to bed at 2 a.m. and has to get up at 7.30 and saying, I want you to go to bed at 10. Right. Right. I'm like, just dial it back 15 minutes, set an alarm (laughs) if you need to, right? And we work it that way so that that you can get some small and quick successes with things Mm -hmm. and by doing things that are easier. And when it comes to managing food, lifestyle, sorts of issues, I will definitely do a a nutritional screening and see what's Mm -hmm. going on around that. My approach is typically, unless I see something really bad, like I've had a couple of type 2 diabetics come into my office with a very famous fast food giant worldwide (laughs) with with a cup of something full of sugar. How's how's that for vagueness? And I'll start with like, hey, is that regular or diet? When I hear regular then we have a little bit of education about why that might not be good for your brain and also not good for your diabetes. And talk about how that might be something to switch out. You know, Mm -hmm. if you 
caffeine? Could you try a diet soda? Could you try iced tea, right? Could you bring your own beverage? That's a little healthier. Um, So looking at some of those sorts of things, mainly I will talk about adding something in with the idea that the more good things we can add in, the more bad things we squeeze out. Mm-hmm. So rather than saying, yeah, that's it that. for you, no more pasta ever. <laughs> that is not a success-oriented tactic for a psychologist, no. by the way. What I will say is, okay, pasta is great. There's, there's room in every balanced diet for a little pasta. Do you think you could add a serving of a green vegetable to that? Which one do you like? Mm, I and love we that. do that. Yeah. And so some of it is very simple stuff, but it really is you know, dealing with a mix of circumstances and symptoms and issues that we have with PCOS, sometimes the idea of just getting a package of pre-cut, pre-washed vegetables from the store Mm -hmm. and throwing them in the microwave or the steamer is, it's a revelation. And so I never assume that people know as much as I do about this stuff. I really start with where they are and how can we start making some simple changes that make you feel like you're doing something good for yourself. Like everybody knows we need to eat green vegetables. And do you know what? Like back in the day before, you know, I even was diagnosed with PCOS, back in count calories kind of thing, I remember thinking, say say I was having pasta for dinner. I remember having the thought of like, there's no point adding like a salad to this or extra vegetables to this because they just add more calories. Mm. But I know. <laughs> God, what was I thinking? Because you were thinking you were going to lose weight if you limited the calories. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but they add to so much. They add so many nutrients and that's so important and especially for mental health as well. And if you do add those vegetables, you might find that you eat less pasta because you, you know, exactly. you're fuller. <laughs> uh, but that was such a negative way of thinking and I don't think it's uncommon. I think no. I don't think that I came up with that thought. I think I learned that from Probably. Yeah. somewhere along the way. So similarly, um, this idea of, of like yeah. fat is the enemy when yeah. we now know that fat is no. healthy and necessary for processing vitamins and for keeping you satisfied and full. Yeah. So I talk to people, older people particularly who maybe, you know, were young adults in the 80s when everything was fat free. Yeah. And yeah. they're still having that so-called healthy fat free meal, but then their health condition is totally different now. And mm. That is the absolute worst thing they could be eating, and yeah. so there's, it really depends on where you are with this whole with this whole thing. But it it does pay to do a little bit of a, a deeper dive into nutrition and, and experiment and see what works for you. Yeah, absolutely. Look, thank you so so much for coming on the show. I've just really I've gotten so much out of it. So many great little tips and just reassurances. Really, if anyone is listening and and this is sort of touched on anything for you like there is definitely help out there for you talk to your doctor talk to your psychologist talk to your friends talk to your family go online have a look at Gretchen's stuff you know it's all just so interesting and helpful and I think it can just really 
start to become and, and feel more normal when you realize you're not the only one and and that there is a link with these mental health conditions and PCOS. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, did you want to share where people can find you? Yeah, there's a couple places. One is my website, which is pcoswellness.com. There are probably 75 to 100 blogs all on mental health topics related to PCOS wow. specifically. Yeah. <laughs> a what a great of, resource for us. <laughs> there's a lot of information there. Awesome. The other place to find me is on Facebook. I have a private group called PCOS Psychology and right. it's it's free to join and I'm in there every day just kind of checking on things and there's information that gets cycled through like video forms of the blogs for example and it's also a space that's a chat space and supportive space and you can pose questions of you know have you tried this do you experience this and a bunch of women will chime in and tell you what their experiences are or what their ideas are about the problem and I do definitely get in there I'd say at least six days out of seven if not seven out of seven. Oh, I just love that. That's such a great resource for our community. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. If you're listening, I would love for you to share your favorite takeaway from today. You can do that on Instagram if you're on there and just tag us at the PCOS Girls and you can tag Gretchen. Is it at PCOS Wellness? Is that Oh my goodness. I'm embarrassed. I I think it is. (laughs) (laughs) Just barely That's hilarious. I have just barely started to play around on uh, Instagram. Ah, Instagram's are new for you. Fair. That's <laughs> it totally is PCOS fair. Wellness. Oh, I'm following myself. Okay. <laughs> As you should be. Yeah, oh, that, that's you, can, awesome. you can find me there. I'll try and get more busy there. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I really kind of live on Facebook. Yeah, I get it. I get it. There's, it's, it's too much to have too many platforms on the go, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I used to be more on Facebook and now I'm more on Instagram and Facebook is, yes, it has fallen to the wayside a little bit. But we do have a podcast community on Facebook called the PCOS Girls Podcast Community and it's a private group. And if you want to talk about anything that has come up for you today, we will be in there and yeah, we'd just love to open up the conversation about this because you know, mental health side of PCOS, it's important and it's valid and you're not alone and we're here to talk it out. So yeah, thanks so much for joining us, anyone listening. And thank you so, so much, Gretchen. It was great to catch up and have a chat. It was very nice speaking with you as well. And please do come in and join us and ask the questions. There are no bad questions. Fantastic. Happy to, thank happy you to so inform much. and educate. I love All that. All right. Okay. Bye. 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 